You've been lied to, but you don't know how. You've searched, you've struggled, you've cried out. You want the truth, but where is it? You've wandered, you've fought, you've strived, and you have not been satisfied. What is truth? Where is truth? Who is truth? The kingdom of God. Mind control. The last days. Higher dimensions. Unity. The power of faith. Discovering the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. God has promised that he will hide us under his feathers and under his wings we will trust. His truth shall be our shield and our buckler. Discovering the Truth with Dan Devon is the premier program that is designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ, and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is designed to show you how to become more than you have ever imagined through the power of truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And now, prepare for your host, Dan Duvall. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. This program is designed to send to you on the kingdom of God to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program is a production of Bride Ministries and you can find us at www.bridemovement.com and of course www.thefireplacechurch.org where we do stream live services on Sunday evenings followed by uh, live internet-based discussion groups and it all starts at 7 p.m central standard time folks i am going to be having as my guest today dr cr oliver haven't had him in a while love that man and we are going to be having an amazing time of fellowship now uh i have an upcoming conference in july it's called sheep nations and the end of the age and it has been requested. A lot of you that have taken um, different classes in the past, advanced spiritual warfare, spiritual warfare, gracing, Christ the kingdom, whatever, uh, you know, when the subject has been come up, hey, would you guys like to know about like my eschatology, which I spent years researching and started off talking about, but then drifted off into all this mind control stuff and other stuff and never really came back to the answer has been like, yeah, we want to know what you think, Dan Duvall. And I'm like, wow, I have a 440. Five-page book on a subject of the end times, cheap nations, the kingdom. Like, honestly, this giant book that I wrote, I never talk about. I do not talk about what's in that book. And, I mean, it is a lot of stuff. And and it's, like, such really cool stuff. As a matter of fact, in preparing for the conference I'm going to be doing, I've been going through the material, and I'm like, whoa, this is a lot of fun. Because I, I, I remember it was like, you know, it would get my blood flowing to think about this stuff, research this stuff, all, all that. 
And, and, and so what are we doing? We're bringing it to you in not one, but two conferences, two, because it's so much material. Truly, I could probably go a whole year on the subjects and just teaching, teaching, teaching. But but we're going to condense it. And, and it's not going to be one conference, though. It's going to be two. And it's going to be two three-day conferences that are, are basically going to go through some eschatology. That's last day's Bible prophecy stuff leading up to the conversation what is a sheep nation and what is our role in that? And so that is going to take place across two conferences. The first one is in July, 7th through 9th. And it's going to be a lot of fun, folks. If you have been to our conferences before, you know they're not boring. They're not dull. You don't just sit there and listen to me talk. I mean, maybe for a period of time, but there is engaging dialogue that happens. I mean, it's like a it, it, it's like a lot of fun and I learn and, and you know, I get challenged and, and people learn and everybody leaves so empowered and, 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 and excited about the word of God and Jesus. And so, and so this is what this is going to be. It's going to be another one of those types of conferences at Bride Ministries. And it, it, it's kind of what we're getting, you know, known for because we do this style of conferencing and classes. So you can sign up right now. And as a matter of fact, if you didn't hear the announcement last week, until June 10th, and, and if you're listening to this upon the day of release, which is Thursday, I always release these programs on Thursday, you have two more days, Friday and Saturday, to get your registration in and you can save some money, right? Because we have the registration on sale right now. Pre-registration is a little less expensive than the, the registration will be after June 10th. So I, I encourage you, you know, get your early registration in. Um, but if you don't, it's not that much more. So it's not like a big, big deal. And it all goes to the ministry anyway. So you can feel good about what you're investing in your education and experience. And, and, and the thing is, um, please, if you're thinking about doing the second conference in August, do not miss the first conference in July, because then you're going to be picking up in the middle of all of this like intense conversation in the second half and be like, but where's the rest? Now, if you want an advanced notice on some of this stuff, you can get the book, Kingdom of Government and the Promise of Sheep Nations. You can pick it up at our website. Uh, you can also pick it up on you know, Amazon and other places where the books are sold. Uh, folks, there's a lot of stuff to really look forward to. We're going to have a great time. So I want to encourage you, uh, sign up for the um, Sheep Nations and the End of the Age Conference. Now, uh, in addition to that, folks, I just want to say thank you for those of you that are financial supporters for this ministry. You know, uh, this this year has been an interesting year. We um, have faced quite a number of hurdles and challenges going into the beginning of the year. We had to cut everything back. Uh, the ministry was under heavy, heavy attack, and we've since emerged from that stronger than ever. And um, God is just blessing and growing, and, and we're just rejoicing in Him. Uh, but I'll tell you what, you know, we, we are funding a number of projects of Bride Ministries. We, we fund this podcast. We fund the help of a number of survivors. And we have a long waiting list of survivors that we are wanting to up, apply help for. Um, we are running the Fireplace Church, which comes with a weekly expense. And folks, there's uh, a DID coaching school we are wanting to build. And a whole host of other pieces of vision. Um, you can support us at bridemovement.com or at thefireplacechurch.org or by writing to us at P.O. Box 6173, Texarkana, Texas 75505. Um, and I, I just want to say thank you for those of you that do. You're making 
this possible. You're making this ministry possible, all the resources, everything we are bringing to people possible. And, and I just bless you in the name of Jesus. I, I've just begun just commanding the blessing on those that support this ministry um, during our times of morning warfare and, you know, contending for everything that God has called us to build. You know, I, I just am so, so, so grateful for you guys. And, you know, I, I just speak over you that the Lord is able to um, bless you with exceedingly abundantly above anything you can ask or think. And he is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you having all sufficiency and all things may abound unto every good work. You know, for those of you that support us, I just speak that over you and I just bless you. And and, and with that said, folks, we're going to get right to the program. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Dr. C.R. Oliver, and he is back with me. Now, I've had him on the program a number of times, folks. We've had some epic conversations and programs. This gentleman is simply first class. Um, He is a retired college professor. He's an ordained minister. He's the president of the Oliver Evangelistic Association International and the CEO of Zadok Publications. He's the author of a whole... uh, library of books. And today we're going to be sitting down with him to discuss Ezekiel. Now I have to make an announcement. Uh, They offer a monthly newsletter at um, Zadok Publications. And and you can go to www.zadokpublications.com and sign up. And you can also get his books and all kinds of other information. So be sure to check that out. With that said, Dr. Oliver, welcome back to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you because truth is definitely the hallmark for what you do, brother. I thank God for you and the technology that you have and the programs that you present, the teachings, my goodness, the depth of theology that you have. Thank the Lord for that. I'm glad the Lord's raising up young men like yourself to take place of these old men like myself. <laughs> However, I want to tell you, I've been studying Ezekiel for almost 65 years. And I just wanted to make sure that when we went on the broadcast today that that was a subject title. Mm. Now, it's impossible to take the entire book, 
but we can take it a segment at a time and look at it and become familiar with those things that are highlights and blessings, and particularly those subjects that will probably never be a sermon topic or never be explained. You know, Brent Strong recently wrote a book entitled The Old Testament is Dying. Now, I'm not advertising the book. I don't have it yet and haven't read all the premise on it, but I do know this. There are three things that are happening. People are unfamiliar with the Old Testament. They don't know its chronology. They don't know who spoke and what. They, they think in terms of major and minor prophet. All the prophets were major as far as I'm concerned, if they're in the, in the Word of God. How they spoke and where they spoke, though, is, is an interesting avenue. The, the majority of the people don't hear sermons from the Old Testament because they might take a text from Psalms or, or look at a passage of Scripture from Ezekiel, like when he spoke to the Valley of Dry Bones and make applications there. But that's not really an overview of what's going on in those books because they're addressing the sins of people and the hearts of people are being opened and prophets, the true prophets of God, are speaking ways that we don't hear today. Third avenue that people don't have is they don't have the application for modern times because the Old Testament is full of reference to the times, the end times, and almost from the beginning. It says, and Enoch shall come with 10,000 of, of his saints. Well, Enoch was very early in the book of Genesis, and we know that the 10,000 saints are the ends of time, and so the Bible is full of meaning in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So with that being said, I want to look into Ezekiel, but first I want to take a time to to show you where these prophets came in to in, in the view, the chronology of them. Now, I'm not going through all of them, but they're divided equally in three different parts. Those that spoke before the exile are what they call the Babylonian captivity. Those that spoke during the captivity, and that's Ezekiel's place. And those who spoke after the captivity on the return from Babylon after 70 years of being captured there. What's interesting, if you know the chronology, is that Obadiah is the first prophet we hear, other than Samuel. After Samuel, he came and he preached against the city of the Rose Red Rock, which is Petra, which stands today as a desolate home of jackals in the country of Jordan. If you have a chance to go to the Holy Land and take in Petra, that's an interesting thing, because since 840 B.C., They've been under the judgment of God, and they still are. That's interesting to me. Yeah, the first prophet to Judah was a man named Joel, the prophet Joel. He came immediately after Obadiah in 835 B.C., and then came to Amos, and then came Hosea. The reason I mention these is because when you get to the 16th chapter of the book of Ezekiel, you're going to find that Hosea is replicated in, the, in that chapter and that what he said over Israel, the ten tribes to the north, now Ezekiel is saying over the tribes of Judah, which are the two tribes of Benjamin and Judah. Now with that being said, out of the way so to speak, 
Ezekiel is one of the most foremost powerful books in the Old Testament. And it leaks over, he leaks over into the New Testament because he, when I call him exact Ezekiel, that's exactly what, I'm, what I want to use, that term exact. That word executes exactly what I want to get across to the public. He did what God told him to do without argument, immediate, and to the letter. Now, if God said to go dig a hole in the wall, he went and dug a hole in the wall in front of everybody. If God said cut your hair in thirds, take your beard and cut a third of it and throw it to the wind, take another third of it, cut it off, let it fall down into your garment, that'll be a rendment. Take another third and throw it in the fire. Well, in those days, having a beard and a hair, longer hair, was a distinctive part of being an elder. But he did it anyway because God said so. There are such degrees in Ezekiel where God calls on him to do stranger and stranger things. Prophesy to a mountain, for instance, or prophesy to a tile. One of the first things Ezekiel was told to do by God was to take a tile, a clay tile, make it look like an example of Jerusalem, and then show ramparts, embattlements against it, which was indicative of Babylon captivity. And those who were at ease in Zion could not be at ease in Zion once they realized they were captured. You have to remember, though, that Ezekiel is in Babylon. And the prophet Jeremiah, and that's why I've taken the liberty to advertise a little bit the fact that I have recent copies of a book I've written entitled Studies in Isaiah, Studies in Jeremiah, The Road to Captivity, and soon to be a part of it, Exact Ezekiel. When God told him to take that tile in front of the elders who came to visit him and say, you know, prophet, what do you get from God? Ezekiel is able to tell them what I get from God is a picture. And that picture is a vision of being totally captured. He gave this picture about six years before the total capture and the burning of Jerusalem. So when we read Ezekiel, we're reading history as well. Because he didn't mince words, and he addressed issues that were present among those that were in exile as well as those that had not yet been captured. Because when Nebuchadnezzar came on the scene, he took the king Jehoiakim, that was a young man, and he put him in power. It wasn't long that he realized he was inefficient and not governing as he wanted, so he took him out and caused a man by the name of Zedekiah to come to be a king of Judah. Now, it just happens that I'm kinfolks to Zedekiah over a long period of chronology that my genealogy proves that to be a fact. I'm not very proud of it because Zedekiah rebelled against God, and he wound up rebelling against Babylon, and Nebuchadnezzar took him out and burned the city, then took him to Babylon with his two boys and had them slain by the sword, beheaded, and then he put the eyes of Zedekiah out where he was blinded. The last thing he saw was the execution of his sons. 
tragic situation because of rebellion. If these people had only listened to the prophet Jeremiah and only listened to the prophet Ezekiel, many of these things would have been avoided. But God said, I'm going to bring about the things that I say through my prophets, and it will be done. So let us get into the study of Ezekiel. I want to say first that Ezekiel in the early chapters, and by the way, Ezekiel passed every test. Can I tell you that? Hmm. Can I tell you that he did not fail at, at any point in carrying out the exact words of the Lord to him? Something that is almost unheard of today, where the Holy Spirit of God so captures a person that he can say to that person, go to the right, go to the left, stop, go ahead now, move here, move here, there. See this person. Behold that situation. You see, we are so busy with the things of the material world that we live in that they all become idols to us and more important than hearing from God. But that was not the case of Ezekiel. <laughs> It wouldn't have been anybody's case because the real happening was that when Ezekiel was laboring with those who were captured, he was in bondage and slavery just like everyone else, even though he was a Levitical priest. He had no authority except the authority God was about to give him. They were enslaved and they were bringing groups in. Daniel came before Ezekiel. But Daniel was living and prophesying just a few years before Ezekiel. And he lived during the time of Ezekiel. And he, he was there when the overthrow of the Babylonian Empire came about by the Iranian or what we call the Persian Empire today. That's a lot of good history. But it doesn't say a lot until you come to the realization that God spoke to the man in captivity after a third or an, and another third had been taken into captivity and they left only one-third of the people with the king Zedekiah in Judah, that Babylon was in control. But God was in control of Babylon. We need to realize that in our government today. God is not dead. He's much alive in the affairs of the political scene. Okay. Ezekiel is not only spiritual, but he's a very political individual because God is that. We have to recognize that he intervenes, and sometimes his sovereignty is seen more than others. We haven't seen many moves of God as sovereign as they, as they moved upon Babylon, but we're going to because that's the name of the game as far as the end time is concerned. You know, Ezekiel was so exact. When God spoke to him, he, he spoke to him in visions and through uh, vo uh, voice audio and through uh, incidents and situations that came before him. God was with him in every move, and he moved in, and he moved in with God, even to the point that he came to the realization that whatever God asked him, he would do, and he'd do it exactly and without question do it immediately. We don't have very many people like that today. We need to realize that when God said to him finally, tonight your wife is going to die, Ezekiel, that his wife did die. He said, but you will not put on mourning clothes. You will not 
put on the dark clothes of mourning like for grief and sorrow. You'll put on a smile, and you'll walk among the people the next day as if nothing happened. Now, that was a hard task to do, but Ezekiel did it. He did it exactly like God told him to. And it was a it was a picture to those who were around him of how God moved upon the heart of a man and a man moved in the heart of God so that they were one. It was after this incident, after that one, you might say, test of his loyalty, that God opened to him the 38th chapter of Ezekiel, which is very prominent among the premillennials and those who are looking at eschatological things today. Those are the end times. And he moved to the 44th chapter, wonderful chapter that I took up in a book called The Sons of Zadok. That chapter involves separation of the priests. You see, they had a they had a priesthood in that day that was operating at the temple in Jerusalem that was so corrupt that God said, let me just take them out. Let me kill them and we'll start all over again. At least that was Ezekiel's idea. And when he approached God for it, God said to him, no, let's don't do that. Let's leave those people in charge of the things of the temple. Let's let them do the sacrifices. Let them carry on the interaction with the people. Let them do the marriages and the burials. Let them do the bar mitzvahs and all of these things. Let them be the ones who are the social priests, but not allow them ever to approach me. They may not come to me. They may not they they may not offer sacrifice to me. They may not come in my presence. Only the sons of Zadok who have kept them who have kept themselves pure and holy can come to me. Only they can worship and minister to me. You see God's ministering too as well. But very few people understand that in the worship services today. I believe that the congregations of America, the congregations of the entire world can be divided along those same lines. That those who are social priests, those who are ministering on the for those who are in the public eye, those who are in the social-minded culture, those who are preaching messages that are acculturated, but not ministering to God, not ministering to Him. Only those who are holy and righteous who walk in the grace of God for that righteousness, only they can minister unto him, and they are the sons of Zadok. I believe we're seeing a reappearance of those. I think we're seeing an appearance of those who communicate in the fire, who know, like Ezekiel, what it means to have the word of God ingested on the inside of them. And to identify with the sons of Zadok is to identify with a priesthood that separated the holy from the profane when that which is that which is the worldly things from that which is the spiritual holy things well we see today such a need for the prophet Ezekiel the prophet who on the 46th chapter and 47th chapter talked about the river of God and how the river flows from underneath the altar and how that a person can stand in that uh, ankle deep or waist deep or nearly over his head and not swim and come to a place in their life where they're not dependent upon themselves and cannot depend on touching bottom 
but have to depend on God and the flow of the Spirit forward. These are the themes that we hear and see in this wonderful book. But they would not do justice to him if we didn't go back to his very beginnings. God spoke to Ezekiel and equipped him with the power to speak to a people who had ears, but he said, Ezekiel, they don't want to hear. They have eyes, but they really don't want to see the things of mine. So I'm going to send you to them, and I'm going to make your head like a flint stone. I'm going to make you hard-headed and as stubborn as they are, because they are a stubborn and rebellious people. They don't want to hear me. They don't want the things of mine. They don't want to adhere to the to my words and my commandments. So I'm going to deal with them. And as you confront them, you're not going to have converts. You're going to have people who want to take your life like they did to Jeremiah. But they'll not be able to do it because I'll stand with you. And he began, God began the very first chapter. See, the first chapters of of Ezekiel are uh, where God talks him to the river, takes him to the river Kibar. That's where the saints of the Lord were supposed to be counseled. That's where all the people of Israel were taken in their slavery because, you see, uh, Ezekiel was a slave. He was a indentured person because of the captivity of, of Jerusalem and the captivity under the Babylonian Empire. And God spoke to him in a vision, much like he did Isaiah. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Well, that picture stayed in Isaiah's mind all of his ministry. He recognized that the authority of his prophetic word came from a source outside of man and only from heaven. When Jeremiah saw the, the book handed to him, saw the coal to the altar, stood before God in a holy place in the inner sanctum of the temple of God. He knew that his authority came from a higher authority than man. It wasn't the certification of some university or theological school. It wasn't the approval of some academic or theological group or a council. He didn't have to have the denominational approval of those who were current in that day. So Ezekiel now by the river Kibar, having been part of the second third of people immigrated in there out of Israel. Daniel was in the first, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and those early young men were taken before Ezekiel. But Ezekiel, being a priest, stood there, doing his menial task, whatever the duties were for a slave at that point, and God showed him heaven opened to him the heavens and he saw the four living creatures and the wheels in the middle of the wheels and he saw the throne of God heard the voice of God speak to him now these these living creatures had identity they were the face they had the face of an ox the face of a lion the face of a man and the face of an eagle and of course Ezekiel understood that because and most people who understood the Old Testament knew that that's how they lined up around the tabernacle and the, te and the temple. That there were flags that were flying for these various tribes, and they came and approached that temple under the auspices of the flag. Ephraim, for instance, had to have the west, and they had the ox flag. Dan took the place of the north, 
had the eagle flag. Reuben took the place of the south and had a man flag. And Judah took a place to the east toward God with the lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah was coming to be the Savior and the Messiah. And as early as those tabernacle days in Kings and Samuel, as early as, as, early as the history of the Israelites around the tabernacle once they left Egypt and came to be a part of Canaan, and the new Jerusalem that they were going to see. He said, I'm sending you to this people because they rebelled against me. I want to take a verse of scripture in the first chapter in the fourth verse. They are impudent and stubborn children, and I'm sending to them, and you shall say, Thus saith the Lord God. And as for them, whether they will hear or whether they will refuse, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a true prophet has been among them. And then a hand came forth out of this vision, handed him a book and said, Eat this book and let it be a part of you. And he ate the book and it was sweet to his taste. And he ingested the word of God. And then God said, You're not to have fear. You're to fear no man, fear no situation. I make you a watchman to the house of Israel. Well, Ezekiel knew what awesome responsibility that was because as a watchman, he had a responsibility to deliver this, the message that God gave him. When God gave him the authority of the watchman, he told him, I send you as a watchman to warn the people of their wicked way, and if they don't turn, their blood is not on your hands. But if you warn them not, if you don't tell them, their blood I will hold on your hands. What an awesome responsibility to stand before people and realize that you had the key to their existence and you had to tell them what God told you. Now that often came to a situation of a real showdown because the elders of the people would gather around Ezekiel and ask him as a prophet, what did God have to say? And sometimes it was directed to the elders. <laughs> it was interesting to see in the second chapter when the Lord told him to stand and receive, and he gave him the authority to act as a prophet, to eat the scroll of God's word, and carried him to the third chapter of Ezekiel, where he lifted him by the hair of his head and brought him supernaturally into the presence of God and gave him the watchman power over the house of Israel. And then he told Ezekiel, I want you to do this strange thing. I want you to lay on your side, on your left side, for a number of days, and those days will be according to 290 days you will lay on your left side. And it will be a day for every year of the rebellion of Israel, the ten tribes to the north. It will be a symbol to them. You shall eat meat, not at all. You shall eat what I tell you in small measure of water and, uh, <clears throat> and of bread. And you shall do this for the 290, actually the 390 days involved. Pardon me, no, I said 290, but it was 390 days. Then you to turn on your right side and lay there for 40 more days to show the 40 years of the iniquity of the house of Judah. For I have laid on you that day this responsibility. 
Then he told him after that to happen, Make a tile and sow a siege against it. Then cut your hair in thirds and throw a third of your hair into the garment of your, of your priestly garment and a third into the wind and a third into the fire as a picture. Show them that my message of dealing with them is in thirds, first a sword and then a famine and then a pestilence. My, is that God the way God deals with people? Yes, it is. He sends the sword, the famine, and the pestilence. And when we see these things happening on the earth today, we know that God's in authority. The sword is everywhere. We see a world in upheaval today. People don't know how to turn or where to turn. Destruction on all sides. God is in the midst. Famine is everywhere. There are people starving right now in Venezuela. There are people who are under, undergoing pestilence in Guatemala as the grasshoppers come and eat all of the crop that they have as small as those crops are and how dependent the people are upon it without going into famine. I know because we do missionary work in, that, in those places. Ezekiel was required to go and speak to the mountains. How many people would want to look to an inanimate object and say to them, O mountains, hear the word of the Lord. I remember one time in my own ministry when God told me to go to a particular mountain and find a road in a, in a vision he came to me and showed me this road, told me this road was a new road. It was cut there by the timber cutters. I was to go down that road a certain number of yards, and I was to stand from where I could see. I would be overlooking a city below. An entire vision of that city came into my mind. I did exactly what God told me to do because I knew what Ezekiel did and how God commended him on that. So I went to that mountain, and sure enough, there was a road, a new road cut there. It was dusty and dirty. Tractors had come in and out of it and earth-moving machinery. But no one was working that day. No one was pulling any timber that day. So I had the road to myself. I went a certain number of yards into that road. He said, you will find stones, large stones. Stack them up in numbers of 12. I stacked those stones in numbers of 12. Stand behind it and lay your hand upon them and say these words. O city, hear the word of the Lord. Wind and fire will be a part of you, and earthquake as well. How did I know that in the next, within that next year a tornado would come through and decimate many of the buildings? A fire would start in the downtown area. I was called at, uh, at attention. An old hotel caught fire, and the old hotel was connected to other buildings, of store buildings in the old downtown area, the antique stores and so forth. They burned to the ground. Then, after many years, there was an earthquake that shook and rattled that town. And there wasn't supposed to be an earthquake that far down, but they discovered there was a fault beneath them. I tell you, there's something when God begins to deal with people. He told that prophet, go to the mountain and pronounce a to that mountain an end of idolatry, an end to the things that caused the idol worship of Israel the downfall of Judah. An end to some things has to happen. 
Jesus spoke to inanimate objects. He spoke to the water and made it wine. He spoke to the, to the ocean or the sea and caused it to have calmness. He spoke to the fig tree and it died. He spoke to inanimate objects without, without any impunity on his own part because they obeyed him and they knew that he was from God and that what he said came to pass. That's the way it was with Ezekiel. Oh, that we might return to those roots of the supernatural. It's time to declare the word of God on the mountain peaks to affect the territories for the righteous. It's time to stand in front of edifices, churches, and buildings alike and declare their end and call for an end to all their inordinate practices of idolatry and witchcraft. It's time for the authority of the believer to rise up and proclaim the word of God against the citadels of sin and the darkness in high places. It's not silly to talk to buildings. It's saintly. Hmm. Wow. In Ezekiel, the seventh chapter, in the 27th verse, the Lord said to him, The king will mourn, and the prince will be clothed with desolation, and the hands of the common people will tremble. For I will do to them according to their way, and according to what they deserve, I will judge them, and they shall know that I am the Lord God. Now Ezekiel saw the final decimation six years in advance of when Israel would see the fall of the temple and the burning of the city, burning of the gates and the destruction of the outer wall, the burning of Jerusalem and and the homes that were there and the burning of the temple and the tearing of the temple down, that which is holiest to them, that which was righteous to them, which was a symbol of their religion, was gone in a moment. He saw it in advance. And he told the people, he's going to judge you according to your ways and to what you deserve, from king to commoner. Because he spoke first the words to Zedekiah, the king at that time. He said, this is going to happen. You had best listen to the voice of God and repent, but he would not. From king to commoner, God appointed determined judgment. It would fall according to their ways. For no one fears God among a people devoid of his ways. It is incomprehensible to see Christians supporting militant protests. It's inconceivable to hear the language of the damned coming from the lips of the church people. But shudder, O saint, for the prospect is true, that God will give according to their, way, according to their ways and according to what they deserve. What do we deserve today? What does America deserve? What does the church deserve? Shudder, O saint, when God spoke to Ezekiel and said, Make a chain, so show the chain of events. Make a chain so that they can see digitally in their own eyes. They can see visually within their own eyes. They can hear when I tell them that stack upon stack of their sins have now come before the presence of God. The first seven chapters of Ezekiel are mostly the ones that involved Ezekiel and his inner was God's revelation. But if you begin to look into the chapter 8, you begin to reveal the mind of the Lord. And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, on the fifth day of the month, 
as I sat in my house with the elders of Judah, sitting before me, that the hand of the Lord fell upon me there. And God showed Ezekiel the temple and what was going on in the temple. How the people, the priests, would come fresh from the altars of God to their apartments. And on their apartments there was all kinds of lewd images painted to remind them of fertility and sexual sins. And they would do this in a, and carry that abomination upon them even into the holy places. God said, no more. I'm starting at the house of God. I'm telling my angels to stand at attention at the house of God. And one of the angels who had an inkhorn and a white robe, some say it was Jesus, came before the Lord and the Lord said, Mark every one of those who are my people. And he went forth throughout all Jerusalem and all of the area of Israel and marked those that were God's, for the Lord knows those that are his. And then he told the angels of God, take the strong sword and kill everyone else. And that's what happened. The destruction of Jerusalem and the final destruction. They took very few prisoners, but those that they did take came ushering in like a remnant before the people of, of Ezekiel. And those elders... And those priests that had been taken first and who were still alive saw the condition of those who came in from the fresh abomination toward Israel, those survivors, and they could not believe that they were still rebellious, that they were still hard-hearted, that they were unrepentant, and they stood before God and man in a continued state of rebellion. In the last days, in the book of Revelation, it talks about great tribulation. And as the tribulation takes place, the people's hearts are harder and harder. Instead of repenting, they had more rebellion. Exact Ezekiel stood before those, those elders and he said, they are the ones responsible. Those elders are the ones who stand before me and have caused my people to be deceived. If you look into the 11th chapter of Ezekiel, for instance, he said, Then the Spirit of the Lord lifted me up and brought me over to the east gate of the Lord's temple, and I saw 25 prominent men of the city. And among them was Jeconiah, son of Azur, and Pelatiah, son of Menaniah, who were leaders among the people. What did he see? In Ezekiel 11, verse 2 through 4, Then the Spirit said to me, Son of man, these are the men who are responsible for the wicked counsel being given to this city. They say to the people, It's not a good time. Is it not a good time to build houses? It's a perfect time. You don't need to fear anything. Our city is like an iron pot. We are inside it, and we're like the meat in an iron pot. We're safe from all harm. Therefore, son of man, prophesy against them loudly and clearly. Oh, dear person, who in this government is responsible for the wicked counsel that has come upon city and nation? 
Who is it guilty of ruining the lives, of running the offices apart from God and never seeking his wisdom? I thank God for the for the information that came in Decision Magazine this past week, saying that the counsel of the Trump administration and the vice president and president attend Bible study every week on a weekly basis and seek God through prayer to how to govern this nation. Oh, listen, there needs to be the voice of the prophet declaring things against those who stand against God. But their word about being a stew meat in the pot, safe from all harm, they didn't understand the situation that God was going to build a fire under that pot. God said in a passion in a passage afterwards, I know their every thought. In Ezekiel eleven five, it says, "The spirit of the Lord came upon me and said and told me to say, this is what the Lord says to the people of Israel. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I know it is, for I know every thought that comes into your mind. And you have said that the words of the prophet are of no benefit to us." For they never come to pass. But I say to you that every word I've spoken to my prophet Ezekiel will come to pass. Therefore, in verse 7 it reads, Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, The city is an iron pot, but the victims of your injustices are the pieces of meat, and you are not safe. For I will soon drag you from the city. I will expose you to the war, so you so greatly fear, says the Sovereign Lord. I will drive you out of Jerusalem and hand you over to foreigners, and you will carry out my judgment against you. You will be slaughtered all the way to the borders of Israel, and then you will know that I am the Lord God. No, this city will not be an iron pot for you. You will not be the meat safe inside. I will judge you even to the borders of Israel, and you will know that I am the Lord God, for you have refused to obey me, and instead you have copied the sins of the nations around you. No wonder George Washington said we were not to enter into any contracts with other governments. He understood the Old Testament. He understood what it was to be in rebellion against God, and he didn't want the sovereignty of this nation to be questioned at all. We were in one nation under God. In Ezekiel eleven thirteen, while I was still speaking, Pelatiah, son of Bedaniah, suddenly died. And I fell on my face down in front of the dust and cried out, O sovereign God, are you going to kill everyone in Israel? Why did Pelatiah die? Because he resisted the word of God. And I tell you, the word of God is going forth in this world today. And the message of God and its truth and purity is coming forth. It may not be coming forth from the prophets. It may not be coming forth from those on platforms with high technical ability. But it's coming forth on the, in the, by his people, to his people, through the Holy Spirit. Now I could go through Ezekiel chapter after chapter, and I plan to do that in my monthly newsletter. I'm currently for July 1st on chapter 16, where God begins to deal with the Israel and say to them, listen, here's the circumstances that took place. You were not a people, and I made you a people. You were like an exposed baby, a child that had been thrown out by his mother and father and let, thrown into the 
field because they didn't want you. And I found you there in your blood with your umbilical cord not even cut. I took you and washed you and I and I bathed you and I put you into sumptuous garments and I and I caused the people to minister to you that were my servants. And then as you grew up you became older and more beautiful. And as a beautiful child you were, you took on the formation of a young woman and you become of marriageable age and I said to you, you're my bride. I'll put my coat around you and you'll be my bride, not my mistress or my concubine, my bride. And the whole world will look at you and know that I am God and I'm able to shower my blessings upon you as my people. But no, you decided to become unfaithful to me. And in that unfaithfulness, you became like a harlot. And you loved the word of your lovers, of the foreigners, and of those who are of the world and of society more than you loved the the words of mine. And therefore, I am bringing you to naught. America has had the favor of God and the blessings of God. But let us not let us not be so foolish as to believe that we can live without the presence of God and the power of God and the word of God. You know Ezekiel is like that because you're not going to hear many passages in Ezekiel taken for the morning service. And not many preachers brave enough to take the words of Ezekiel and bring them to their congregation. If you looked in Ezekiel 12, verse 8, the next morning this message came to me from the Lord, Son of man, these rebels, these people of Israel have asked you what all of this means. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, these actions contain messages to Zedekiah in Jerusalem and for all the people of Israel. They explain that your actions are a demonstration of what will happen to you soon when you will be driven from your homes and sent away into exile. Therefore, Ezekiel, I want you to pack a backpack of those things that you have in your home, and I want you to leave in the daytime so that people say, Why are you leaving your house? And you shall say to them, This is the way you will leave your house, leaving your furniture and your goods, carrying only that which you have on your back, and you may not even make it to Babylon with that. While they are watching your house in the evening, dig a hole through the wall that surrounds the city, and while you watch you, you carry your possessions through that wall and say to the people, you may try to escape the the damnation and the judgment of God, but you can't do it even though you go at night. So I did as I was told, said Ezekiel. My, that's a wonderful word. God loves to hear that word. So I did as I was told. If the preachers preach what they are told from the voice of the Holy Spirit, Sunday services in America would be grossly different than they will be now. We don't want to hear the clear word of God. We don't want to hear the message of God. We don't want to hear the true prophets of God. And by the way, Ezekiel takes them on. I want you to know that in the 12th chapter of the book of Ezekiel, he takes those prophets on in power. 
He said, you men prophets have been prophesying when I didn't speak. When God didn't say a word, you prophesied out of your own heart. And you women prophets, you're no different. You've done whatever the social media would allow you to do, whatever you liked. Whatever sounded good is what you prophesied. But I'm telling you, that's to come to an end. My man is my Ezekiel, and I will prophesy through him and him alone. Through Noah and Daniel and Job, the three righteous men, and by the way, Daniel was still living during this time, though those three men were to intercede for you, I would not hear them. Though they would stand and say, I want to give myself as a substitute for them, I would not receive their substitution. I have spoken, and it will come to pass. Oh, let me tell you, there are prophets today who are speaking when they have not heard there are prophets today who are deceiving the people and assuring them in areas that they should not be encouraged to be in. They're causing the righteous to be profaned and they're causing the iniquitous to rise in power. That was the sin of Israel that brought them to nothing before the Babylonian Empire. O oh, people of Israel, these prophets of yours, I'm speaking right out of Ezekiel 13, are like jackals digging around in the ruins. They have nothing to strengthen the breaks in the walls around their nation. They have not helped it stand firm in the day of battle in the day of the Lord. Instead, they have lied and said, My message is from the Lord, even though the Lord has never sent them. And yet they expect him to fulfill their prophecies. Oh, can your visions be anything but false if you claim this message from, is from the Lord when I have not even spoken to you? It is a fearful thing to prophesy when God has not spoken, present even at that time and current even to the day's time. I've never been in a time with more prophetic words being spoken than today. I grew up without them, but now I'm, I'm overcome by so many of them that I say to most of them, I will not hear what you have to say. In chapter 14, of Ezekiel, God takes on the elders. He didn't leave a stone unturned. He talked to priests and showed them their sin. And then he came to the elders and prophets and told them their sins and now the elders. And these elders are gathered around Ezekiel during this time. They're in his house. They're standing there, sitting there in his presence, wanting to hear from God. And God says, I've got a message from him. Listen to it. Ezekiel 14. Then some of the elders visited me, and while they were there, the message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, these leaders have set up idols in their hearts. They have embraced things that lead them into sin. Why should I let them ask of you anything? Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. I, the Lord, will punish the people of Israel who set up idols in their hearts so that they fall into sin and then come to the prophet asking for help. I will do this to capture the mind and hearts of all my people who have turned from me to worship their detestable idols. What has America 
risen as an idol? What has the hearts of the true people of God done to them? Are we not like the elders? Have we not embraced things that have led us into sin? Now we must hear the prophets say, to put away and repent of those sins that so easily beset us. God didn't, God didn't stop with the elders. He said, you people that have supported this kind of government and this kind of situation and this kind of temple and these kinds of priests, I've got a word for you. In Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 6, Therefore give the people of Israel this message from the sovereign God. Repent. Turn away from your idols. Stop all of your loathsome practices. I, the Lord, will punish all those, both Israelite and foreigners, who reject me, who set up idols in their hearts so that they fall into sin. Who then come to a prophet asking for advice? I will turn away such people. I will make a terrible example of them. I will destroy them. Then you will know that I am the Lord God. And if a people is deceived and give a message anyway, and it is because I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet, and I will stand against such prophets and cut them off from the community of Israel, false prophets and hypocrites, evil people who claim to have my advice, will all be punished for their sins. In this way the people of God will learn not to stray from me, not to pollute themselves with sin. They will be my people. And I will be their God, says the Sovereign Lord. Well, that about takes the whole realm of things. He's spoken to those who are in spiritual power, those who are in prophetic power, those who are in governmental power. And now he speaks to the people who gave them that power. Is anyone exempt in the 2000s? Is anyone exempt in 2017? Are we so much better than they of Israel that we... We are privileged people. We can sin and still not be punished. Nay, my brethren and sisters, the reason you do not hear words from Ezekiel in the pulpits of America or in the pulpits of the world as, that's, as far as that's concerned is that the people would be convicted beyond what they can take care of. The priests and the prophets alike the saintly pastors who are the gatekeepers who have kept out the true prophets of God from being heard in their congregations now must face the inevitable, the consequences of one like Ezekiel. I tell you, Ezekiel ends in 48 chapters. We've read just the first few chapters. It's not that there's no hope, because there is hope. And Ezekiel points to that time in history when there will be a return of the people of God. And I pray that return starts today in the hearts of those who hear me, that they may know that a prophet has been among you. May God bless you as you listen to this message. Mm, 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 mm. Dr. Oliver, that is so good. And I'm going to tell you something. You know, as I'm listening to you talk, there is a, one thing that keeps running through my mind. And I believe that this is a prophetic message. And I believe that 
a, a group that has been uh, umbrellaed with the term deep state is about to be on the receiving yeah. end of this prophetic message. I really believe that we are at a season in time where God moving out of his sovereignty is in the process. And I say in the process because it's already begun. And I believe it's already being executed in the spirit and the natural will be catching up to this. That deep state is going down. And I think that pedophilia rings at national and international levels are going to be rocked beyond anything they have ever anticipated. I actually believe that people in positions that thought rendered them untouchable are going to realize very soon that there is a God who has made heaven his throne and earth his footstool, brother. Ezekiel is so current that nobody wants to hear that message today because it's it's universal. It's the saints, it's, it's the elders, it's the priests, it's the spiritual side of it, the political side of it all come together with Ezekiel. And people don't realize how very tender the, the situation is. When I say tender, I mean easy to come on, be fired, like the tender of a stove or something. Uh, we, we just we're not in the pot and uh, safe. <laughs> God's building that fire, and there's a separation taking place today. Daniel, it's unbelievable. Mm. We've already had to choose sides where we're on, what, what, what political side we're on, but we ain't seen nothing yet when we come to that spiritual divide. My goodness. Speaking of future things, from what you're collecting in your conversations with God and prayer, uh, what are some of the promptings you're working with regarding near future, upcoming, what you think the Lord is highlighting? Well, I think what he's been doing is, is going to continue with great fervor. He's got the termites on the move now, and people are seeing them. Uh, what happen, what's happening in ma- mass media is that they are exposing their own downfall. They're showing their... their uh, well, let me see how I can put it. They're capitalizing on these negative influences that are come against government and, and spiritual people and what's happening. But they're given names and places. In other words, they're letting, they're letting the world know who the termites are that we wouldn't have known otherwise. I mean, we've got names bandied about today that that think like you said they think themselves to be in, excluded excluded from anything that's responsible but i see more of that i see an all I, I see is a crescendo of 
rottenness coming to the surface. Because once this thing starts surfacing, there, there's inevitable consequences involved in both politically and spiritually. And I see some devastation taking place. Uh, I mean, can, I, I'm, when I, you know, when you say, for what has the Lord shown me? I haven't had a vision. But as I ride along in this understanding from the prophet's point of view, I think we're going to have to return to the prophet's point of view to see and understand what is happening. The, the sword, the famine, and the pestilence is taking place. And I get I get news. I just got a, a email yesterday from Wales, from David Griffiths. You've heard and known David Griffiths. And uh, I, I have... A, report from the Philippines what's happening over there we've got churches that correspond with us over there uh, Guatemala and Venezuela and all of these things are in great the, the nations are in a turmoil but it ain't nothing like what's fixing to be stirred up there's some decisions being made from which no one can extract themselves God said, you will make the decision because I'll deceive you into that decision and then you can't get out of it. Not wow. good. Mm. But then on the good side, mm -hmm. God's going to preserve his saints. The ink horn's out there, brother. ha, ha, ha. I actually, um, man, for those that are fully siding with God in this season, I think it's going to be pretty unprecedented, Dr. Oliver. Oh, I do myself. I think it's going to be pretty unprecedented. Authority like we've never seen before, brother. When you but said... Not the kind we're getting from... From the mass mass media preachers, <sighs> I'm talking about the authority like Elijah. When you said that the Lord had led you to go up on that mountain and uh, speak, and and there was subsequent judgments that came upon that city, uh, I was just thinking, forerunner. You know. You modeled something that I believe is going to be expanded through the sons of God that are operating in the years to come. And we have not had a grasp of the extent to which God designed his body to be used to advance his agendas. I, I think we've been preached into impalement and frigidity and uh, what God is doing, he, he is saying not any longer. Uh, my children are going to rise up. We've lost the model of the church. We've mm. lost the model of the church. We said we knew what it was, but we, we're looking at a compromised issue. Mm, mm, mm. The church, brother, is not yet formed. It is forming, but it is not yet formed where it can present itself. Mm. Mm -hmm. You're working toward it. 
I see some of the stuff you're putting out and doing. You're working toward it. I, we had we had our share of breaks today and and tariffs because the devil didn't want this message to go out at all. Well, folks, I'll tell you the truth. Uh, what you won't realize when you hear this is that this interview was uh, stopped and started a number of times, and actually, it was so challenging in the beginning. We almost postponed it because of technical issues, and so we just praise God for the fact that we were able to, you know, press in, prayed it over, prayed over it, and 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 it was executed. And and, and folks, my guest has been Doctor C R Oliver. Mighty man of God, representative of the kingdom, extraordinaire. Uh, his website, www.zadicpublications.com. He has a whole library of books. I recommend getting your hands on at least some of them. Sign up for his monthly email. Go back. Uh, read what they've been putting out since the outset of the year. Folks, I appreciate this man and I honor him and his ministry. And with that said, until next time, God bless and Godspeed. Discovering the Truth with Dan DeBall is the premier radio program designed to center you on the kingdom of God, to equip you with faith in Jesus Christ and to unveil the truth behind the lies. This program has been a production of Bride Ministries. You can find us at www.bridemovement.com At our website, you can contact us, access resources, and support us with donations. We need partners in order to continue to produce our vision which is to promote unity in the body of Christ worldwide and assist in the creation and development of sheep nations. Partner with us and be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed.